A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, hello. I'm Liana Holston. And I'm Sienna Jekyll. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Films of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th anniversary edition This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I know who you are. You're the guy in the hole. Number 38 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this goldy old film. Mm Mm-hmm, golden oldie. Aw. Sienna. Liana. Mexico. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. How did, how did you feel? I really liked all the Mexico stuff. Yay. Oh, yay. I'm very happy for you. Besides that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> End of episode. That's kind of it. That's all there is to say. Well, before we dive too deep mm-hmm. into the um, canyon of our reviews, oh. let's listen to our predictions. I would love to. Sienna, here is my prediction for what I thought the treasure of the Sierra Madre would be about. Good morning, Sienna. This is Liana. Um, First of all, I was just thinking about it, and isn't banana bread really more banana cake? Huh. Anyway, I'm about to watch the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, I don't don't know what this is. I am hoping... It is a adventure film mm-hmm. where they find 
a treasure and have to look at a map and talk about historical facts. Yes. Fingers crossed. Love you. Bye. Bye bye. Boy, would that make sense for what this film was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do like you starting off your prediction with just a little thought you had that day. (laughs) That's fun for me. It's cake. It's not bread. (laughs) I'm not mad about it. I just, if I have cake, I need to lie down. If I have bread, I could like continue on a hike. And I just need to, I need to know based off the title of the dish what I'm getting myself into. And that was on the point. And I had to say. It's a very, very good point. Shall we listen to my prediction? (laughs) Yes, I would love. Hi, Liana. I'm about to watch the film The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. My guess is that this is going to be an adventure movie, Ah! but I also guess that it won't be. (laughs) It sounds cool and fun. And those always trick us. Yeah. Uh, Getting God. Again, I hope it's going to be two animated dudes (laughs) traveling through canyons in a non- colonizer type of way oh uh, nope and i know that i'm thinking of some movie <laughs> are you thinking that of? exists no anyway mm-hmm. fingers crossed there's at least a chest full of gems mm. all right i love you bye all we want is gems the, on this list the road to el dorado maybe is that yeah which unfortunately is very much in a colonizer way really <laughs> like i've never literally seen the it. spanish show up at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> They like it's two white guys who show up and they get treated as gods <gasps> by this um this indigenous community. No! Okay. What? And the woman is like totally sexualized. <laughs> There's a song in it called It's Tough to Be a God. <laughs> Damn. You just can't have it all. <laughs> and speaking of, speaking of you just can't have it all. Uh-huh. Sienna. <laughs> Liana. <laughs> Would you mind panning for a summary of (gasps) The Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Here's a summary of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This is a prospector movie. Three dudes go panning for gold in the Mexico wilderness. One of them is Humphrey Bogart. One of them looks like a big Dungeons and Dragons guy, and one of them is old. Yeah. Bogey goes crazy. The other guys are pretty much okay. Yeah. Bogey dies. (laughs) The end! (laughs) And as Liana was saying, really the moral is you just can't have it all. You can't have it all. It's very much a morality tale. They lose all the gold they found in their 10 months of work. That was 10 months?! They'd literally say that. <laughs> well, I assumed. That doesn't mean that I <laughs> that I get to, that I got like, it. Oh, this this joke was worth ten months of our of our labor. It's while they're laughing. Right. So I, oh, I, would I remember. understand if you were sort of gonzo. I remember the laughter, but yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I was just sort of living that, just sort of yeah. taking in <laughs> the weird vibes. Letting it blow over as the wind <laughs> is blowing. Okay, this is gonna be a punny episode and I'm looking forward to it. The problem is I'm not even realizing that I'm doing it. <laughs> Well, Liana, I am very fascinated to hear some historical context for this movie. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Were you able to uh, pan for any? God damn it. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. You got it. Were you able to uh, gather any? I was able to mine some facts about this. Fudge. (laughs) 
minds about this damn this damn movie ahoy yar hey <laughs> there be gold in them hills welcome to the historical context segment for the treasure of the sierra madre the 1948 film based off the 1927 novel of the same title written by b traven which apparently in turn, and I forgot to Google the rest of this, so don't don't <laughs> quote me on this, is based off a 19th century ballad by a German poet. Oh. Y'all. Oh. <laughs> but I, like, can't believe that because it is so specific to the region that it is set in. I really don't understand. The old man in the film mm-hmm. is played by Walter Houston, who is, in fact, the director's dad. <gasps> oh, my gosh. A daddy son film. A a business dad and a director son. Oh, I like that. I kind of did too, but I cannot imagine directing your own dad (laughs) in a film. Like, hey, dad, that was good, but could you do it again more prospectory? You guys are doing great. Daddy, a little louder. (laughs) This was one of the first Hollywood productions to be shot on location outside of the U.S. Exciting. I know. But then they ran out of money. So actually many of the scenes were filmed back in the studio in America. Oh. They had just... But some of it was in Mexico. Huh. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Who even was B. Traven, the author of this 1927 novel? B. Traven was a pen name. <gasps> and to this day, nobody is 100% sure who this guy was. Why would somebody choose B. Traven as their pen name? Here's why. There are a few different people who people think this person was. Okay. This person could have been a few different people who people think this person was. This is crazy. First up on the options list is a person named Rhett Merritt. Rhett Marit, a German actor, playwright, and journalist who ran an anarchist newspaper pre-World War I in Germany then was arrested and executed after the war, but some say he escaped to Mexico. Oh my gosh. That's Rhett Merritt. Next up, Hal Croves. When the director of the film, John Houston, arranged to meet the author of the book, Hal Croves is who showed up instead, and he claimed to be a translator whom B. Traven had given power of attorney for the film adaptation of the book. And some people think he... Just was B. Traven and was like, Nuema translator. Like when an uncle character is actually the dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. It's exactly like that. The <laughs> third person, the third person they think of might be, is somebody named Barrick Traven Torsvon. Okay. Who is an American who studied Mexican culture and history and lived in Mexico from 1924 to 1950. After filming the movie, an American journalist went looking for Hal Croves, the one who claimed to be a translator with power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And when they went to go see like Hal Croves, the person who opened the door was Barrick Traven Torsven. <laughs> and they were like, pardon? <laughs> what? It got even more confusing because Hal Croves reemerges as a literary agent in the 50s and the 60s. Then when he died, his wife said that his real name all along was Traven Torsvin Croves, and he was the true author of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. What? Finally, some people believe B. Traven was all of those people at once. <laughs> he was a German actor. 
he was an American who studied Mexican culture, and he was also a translator with power of attorney. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, some people believe he was all of those people. Others say, literally, who has the time? Who has the time to be a German anarchist, <laughs> also grow up in America, and also somehow have power of attorney down in Mexico? None of that makes sense. So the mystery continues. Some geological facts, just in case we need them. Thank you. The Sierra Madre mountain range, the occidental one, the one on the west side of Mexico, mm -hmm. is 700 miles long, going wow. from northwest to southeast Mexico, and 100 to 300 miles in width. So it is big, it is foreboding, it is hard to cross. Honkin' range. Honkin'. An absolutely honkin' range. <laughs> Railroads came to this region in the 1880s and the 1890s, and those reopened many old mines. There used to be a lot of silver and gold mines because the Spanish came over and they were like, give us your gold and also we're going to kill you. And mm -hmm. then there was a period of like quietude, less, less activity over there. Then the railroads opened. And because of that, people started heading out to the region more to do more mining. And most of these railroads were American. So there was some tension between America and Mexico over like land. <laughs> Sound familiar? <sighs> I fucking hate America. Okay. Finally, the Mexican Revolution. I don't know much about the history of Mexico, so I wanted to just be a bit familiar with what was going on during the time period that this movie is set. It's set in the year 1925 in Mexico. The Mexican Revolution was from 1910 to 1920, um, and leaders like Emiliano Zapato and Pancho Villa uh, championed the peasant and the working classes during that time. Mexico was neutral throughout World War I, despite Germany trying to get them to be an ally during it. They were like, we really like, have a lot going on over here. Like, please. No. Nearly 900,000 Mexicans emigrated to the U.S. between 1910 and 1917, either to escape the violence of the revolution or to look for work in America. Ultimately, in 1923, just two years before this film takes place, the U.S. recognizes General Alvaro Obregón, cannot apologize enough for my absolute whiteness on the pronunciation <laughs> of all of these names, as the leader of Mexico after he promises to not seize the holdings of American oil companies in Mexico. So the U.S. was like, we will recognize you as the leader if mm. you let us have our oil. Classic. The end. Yeah. do you say the end in Spanish? Do you know? El fin. El fin. Yeah. Well, thank you, Liana, for that historical context. You're welcome. Oh my gosh, this is making me so excited. Okay, um, <laughs> now we're, of course, moving on to phone notes where we talk about the film and we read each other's notes. Uh, ring, ring. <laughs> Sienna, you have written, this movie is so weird. <laughs> Who asked for this? <laughs> How did you feel? movie started i don't even remember it like opened on to mexico <laughs> i was unaware i was so confused i was like oh my main feeling was humphrey bogart is clearly trying something different <laughs> yeah. that's kind of was my big takeaway yeah he was definitely making a lot of choices that he hadn't in other films this movie was a series of humphrey bogart making choices and we're like uh -huh. we see you buddy and though i think everybody has the right to rebrand <laughs> I do I I was uncomfortable for the whole movie. <laughs> you know, yeah, I I really couldn't tell you my vibe on this film. Like I feel like I didn't mind it, but I was confused the entire time. That is so well put. 
Thank you. I, my, I guess I can tell you my vibe on the film. <laughs> my word for, for this movie would be, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question for you. I know we're jumping around. I know we're jumping around. I don't care. Do you know how Humphrey Bogart dies in this movie? Are you talking to me? I watched yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you know how he died? Okay, so how does he die? Getting hacked by a machete? Mm-hmm. And do you know specifically, like, what part of him gets hacked? Uh, above the legs, because that's all they showed us after. <laughs> <laughs> he gets hacked above the leg <laughs> to death. <laughs> a fatal slice above a uh, pre-leg. <laughs> pre-leg whacking. Sienna, he gets decapitated. You know what's you know what's actually more embarrassing is that I was like he got decapitated. I assumed he just got sliced in the head or sliced in the neck. I thought he got sliced on the back like that buffalo from Apocalypse yeah, Now. Yeah, they do it the that same way. That is what I assumed. But I googled it, and because of the haze codes, they actually <laughs> like filmed a scene of his head coming off. Well, not that's not <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> hmm. Liana explains <laughs> cinema. They filmed the okay. scene of his head coming so up. Humphrey's head, it, it was in the water and his body was elsewhere. And somehow they did that and they filmed it. And then the Hayes Codes was like, literally kill yourselves. You cannot put that absolutely on screen. Are you absolutely kidding? No. And so instead, there's apparently like a ripple in the corner. And that's meant to imply that like his head is there. They did not. They didn't. No. He was facing so far away from the water. His head <laughs> well, was. Well, not once his head got detached. I guess, I guess he was on a bit of a hill. It's going to roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The incline. I didn't. <laughs> One thing about a head. It's going to roll. Oh, my gosh. That was the same scene where he kept going like, don't touch my burrow. Don't touch my burrow. This movie was very burrow, stupid. If you will. I just. Burrow. Yes. And they used burro as a verb, it seemed, much of the time. And I was unaware. Burro, burro, burro. It was like a command. Yeah, they yelled but at the donkeys. Burro donkey. is, I under, is my understanding. It means donkey. And your understanding is So correct. they were just yelling, donkey, donkey. Donkey, donkey. Yeah. It's like if I tried to make you move by being like, Liana, Liana, which you know what I do. That actually would work, yeah. <laughs> when I try to shuffle you. if you saw a horse and you were like, horse, horse. <laughs> horse. <laughs> That's like a Pokemon, except for the opposite. <laughs> Pika! Yeah, you right. yell it at them. <laughs> I wonder if that was a first draft of Pikachu, where Ash is just like, Pikachu! <laughs> Pikachu! And the little mouse cat is like, what the fuck? He just like walks forward a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pikachu so much. It's so cute. Oh, I love how much you love cute things. Thanks. <laughs> One thing I was thinking about a lot during this movie was... It's really about a business partnership as well. Uh, you're going to see it. My highlighted note says they really should have made a partnership agreement before <laughs> embarking on this hunt. They, what, why didn't they make a partner contract? What were they doing? It got real bad real fast. It immediately went south. Well, they went, I guess, northwest, but oh my God, it was terrible. <laughs> They were this, okay. So the three boys go panning for gold. One of them is the oldest man who is very limber. He seems to and have two of them are unbelievably out of shape hikers. <laughs> and they, the three of them, go up with one thousand donkeys <laughs> so to a little many. mountain, little hamlet in the mountains. Find a lot of gold and then start fighting over who gets to keep what. Get very paranoid. Yeah, the worst is brought out in them. Yeah, there's Howard the old guy, Curtin the Dungeons and Dragons guy, and then... And Dobbs. Dobbs. <laughs> Master has given Dobbsy a sock. 
Dobbsy is free. And he talked in the third person as well a lot. Dobbs did? Yeah. He'd be like, oh, I Dobbs just isn't tuned out when he started talking. I hated him a lot. I just am so tired of Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart showing off his honking range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, back to the beginning you've written. So why is he living here? What is he doing? What is this? I just like... <laughs> felt the same way before they finally before we meet the prospectors and they just they <laughs> yeah. disclose that they're going to go look for gold before that you're just like what <laughs> sorry uh-huh. sorry who especially on random like side quests yeah <laughs> yeah he does very video game like like looking for a different <laughs> mission like if the townsperson has an exclamation point over their head <laughs> remember when um howard the old man does sort of a, a jig of oh, ridicule the jig of ridicule <laughs> yeah that was one of my favorite parts of the film. He calls them idiots four times, and then he does a little jig. <laughs> or he calls them dumb. He's like, you are so dumb. You're dumb. I cannot believe how dumb you are. You You're dumb. dumb dummies. <laughs> he, he, he jigs to his own statements. He's like, has to dance <laughs> to accentuate. It's gorgeous. He's the best hype man for You're himself. You're dumb. You're dumb. I have ever seen. And it's because they have struck gold. Which somehow he knows just from, what, the dirt? He's got that old prospector wisdom. Donkey! (laughs) Are you a donkey? We'll be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. 
How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There be gold in them hills. That was sort of the wind beneath my wings for much of this. It was just, I love a prospector energy makes me laugh so hard. They're so I- like enthusiastic and they are always sticking their legs out to the side and dancing <laughs> they un- they know the, the fact that he could tell what gold was when it just looked like dirt he's yeah. like no this be gold this be gold there be gold in them it hills. doesn't look like gold it's not refined but it's gold <laughs> trust me I know it it looks like sand but it's gold oh Sienna you've written environmentalist king Okay, yeah, because I when they leave the friggin' mountain, yeah, he is like, let's let's like make this mountain nice again, and yeah. then Bogie's like, what? Why? And he's like, because this mountain gave us so much, we can't just leave her wounded. We need to leave her better than we found her. He's like a better person than many people these days. There was a lot of that, actually. There were a few times in this movie where I was like, that's just like a good person thing to do. I was very pleasantly surprised by him specifically. Yeah. I I don't know why they decided to push that in this. I was so glad. Yeah. I was surprised, too, by the sort of reverence for indigenous culture that the movie had. Mm hmm. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I I think there was a a certain... uh, I think reverence is a good word mm-hmm. for certain things. Yeah, <laughs> not always. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. <laughs> That's but. kind of actually what was so stupid when they, like, for example, when he turned around and made a super, like, racist, sexist joke. Yeah. I think yep. about him. Because mm-hmm. I was like, why did you do that after you were, like... <laughs> like, you already thanked the mountain for its kind yeah. of, like, for 
it, like providing you with things. You are now being like welcomed into this culture, this village, and this village. yeah. And he spent all this time like with. He's been out prospecting for so long that he's in Mexico. You know, he speaks he speaks Spanish. He yeah. knows the the culture of a lot of these different tribes and whatever. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then to turn around and be like, yeah, I'll get myself a woman. <laughs> it was Ooh, crazy. It, 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 it struck me. Oh, struck. struck? Um, <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's right. Even when they try to be like culturally sensitive, the misogyny will ring through uh, mm-hmm. regardless of where mm-hmm. they are. Liana, you have written the softest punches. <laughs> and I want to know about that because it's making me think of a part that I noticed too about this movie. What, 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 when were these softest punches? <laughs> this is before they go on their um, boy adventure to the mountains. They're trying to get their money from the scammer. <laughs> yeah. And it is the gentlest, the most delicate bar fight in cinema history. Which it's just, so weird. I want to try to recreate. Let me, let me fully artist my way. Let me get Prince what? Herbert on the scene because this is Can what I- it sounded like. You know what? Uh, have you ever seen any of those videos that are like, like there was one that was going around that was like um, dancing in the streets with no music. What? Like there's like there are certain there are videos on YouTube. <laughs> there are vi- YouTube videos that will be <laughs> uh, like they'll take a famous music video or sometimes fight oh. scene or something and then they'll take like the music out mm-hmm. and then it's just like a the sounds. It's so <gasps> embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So it's the worst. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what this was. Like, I don't know why they didn't put music under it or anything. It was so weird and awkward. It was so embarrassing for everyone involved. Nobody looked strong. They all looked Uh. very silly. Uh. Uh. You could hear the, like, sounds of discomfort and, like, squeaking. Like, you could hear, like, the camera rolling. It was so weird. Also, were punches in the past a thousand times stronger than punches today? Because they threw people to the ground with one punch. <laughs> Just one little, ouch! Oh my god. I have been felled. Okay, Sienna, you've written, the Beatles approach them wearing ponchos. Now say more. <laughs> this is like some indigenous dudes roll up, I guess, because mm-hmm. he ends up going to this village that is one of these villages. Is this when they're like, my son, about? he fell in the river. Yeah, okay. yeah. But the way that they do that is that they come up, they all have like Beatles bowl cut. <laughs> they do, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and there's four of them. And I was like, it's the Beatles. Beatlemania. Mexican Beatles. And uh, uh, they roll up, they sit down, they patiently smoke each other's tobacco to, mm-hmm. I guess, be culturally present that they are trustworthy. <laughs> and then they're like, Hi, so- I would like to culturally present that I am trustworthy, <laughs> if I may. I will perform a quick cultural presentation. <laughs> if you'll um, turn to my trifold board that I brought with me, I will present to you culturally why you can trust me. Um, what did you so, think? <laughs> uh, d- d- was the prospector the old prospector, Howard? <laughs> he Did he know anything about medicine before? Was why, he a medicine man? <laughs> how did they find him? Why just, did he move the arms in the way that he did? Okay. <laughs> I have actually written down an explanation of what happened. Oh, please, yes. I wrote of this. Oh, wow. They returned to a village of about 200,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> an arena set up. An arena in of the villagers. <laughs> um, uh, and 
lifts a child's arms <laughs> up and down over and over like um like a nutcracker <laughs> yeah 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 over up down or like up, when you have down. to crank water yeah yeah that's exactly what it was like puts tequila on the child's lips puts a towel on the tummy <laughs> and then rolls this boy's hands like play-doh oh yeah all the while intermittently doing the arm <laughs> water pump thing. And then when he's rolling the kid's hands, he finally just like wakes up. <laughs> and uh, okay. <laughs> I, as someone who watched every episode of House, I've never saw that as a tactic. I also just like, it's sort of an insult to this village. <laughs> that, like again, yeah. a lot of people. It's not like it's a village of six and they yeah. lost their medicine man. Like there are a lot of villagers here. And you're telling me they don't have any sort of, like, medical wisdom I was or so confused. I was like, I, did like, we miss some sort of key dialogue where he early in the days was like, there be gold in them hills, and also I have a degree from Johns Hopkins. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> maybe, um, maybe they chose him. Maybe they went and found them because they just sort of needed fresh eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you send me an edit of the podcast yeah. and you're like, I don't know if this is still good. <laughs> I've tried a bunch of things. I can't we tell all, anymore. We, kind of poked the kid and we don't know (laughs) then there's like somebody in the crowd who's like yeah i tried the arms thing i did try the arms yeah yeah i did that all right right. yeah yeah. now it works okay okay i was doing that though i was doing it you know (laughs) oh i thought about doing the towel he gets treated like a a king the rest of the time but in the village and the person who surely tried the arm thing before is must have been pissed Okay, Liana, you said, Sienna, have you ever been panning for gold? Because I have. You mm-hmm. have? Sienna, have you ever been panning for gold? Because I have. <laughs> this is it's less of a question and more of a statement. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I accept it. Please say more. I, okay, first of all, have you been panning for gold? No. Okay, great. Because I have. I am from the West. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and I grew up in the foothills of the Rockies, and we would go up to the mountains, and we would go up to ghost towns or old mining towns and we would pan for gold (laughs) and it was fun (laughs) wait like with frequency (laughs) it's how we made our money they would have it's you know like have you ever toured a mine uh i don't know okay so i do feel like i had a very nature sort of specific geographically upbringing the rig that they have set up in the film that like wood sort of stream that they build where they're panning for gold in the little man-made river that they make, we would do that. And we would pan for gold. And if you found a nugget, you got to keep it. All right, I'm really not getting a lot from you on this story that I thought was um, incredibly delightful and fascinating. I wonder what you would like me to say. (laughs) (laughs) What? I agree. You said, I hope this ends with the donkeys running off and getting rich. <laughs> <laughs> After the bandits decapitate our boy. Our boy, Bogey. Bogey. Headless Who, Bogart. Oh, by the way, Bogey has like had like a, he's gone crazy. He, had, he like, goes 100% bonkers. He tries to kill Kitan. This film, Kitan, this film is a huge argument for why white boys should not go to the desert. He is. He is panning for an Oscar with this one. Hey, the real gold of Hollywood. Gold butt. (laughs) There be ads in these breaks. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top 
of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I did actually not mind the ending. My only real qualm with it was that it seemed like they were setting up that the D&D, the Dungeons and Dragons guy, was going to go bang the widow in yeah, Texas. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they didn't ever say anything specifically. when they Remember the other time when they were sitting by the fire? He's like, what else would you do with your time? And they both just stare off for a while. And then the old guy's like, let's not get involved with women. <laughs> so weird. Oh it was that God. same energy about the widow banging where... <laughs> sort of implied so heavily that we all got it yeah which actually is a good segue into badges and tragedies in which we award a badge for things that were little pieces of gold dust and tragedies for all the fool's gold we found oh. along the way i have a badge for february 1925 they put it right on a newspaper right at the beginning and i said gracias <laughs> I have a badge for Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) A badge for lying down during a hike. Oh, Humphrey Bogart is on a slope and just leans forward and lies down. And I many a time have wanted to do that. A badge for a proud barber giving an awful haircut. Very bad haircut. That is the energy that I will bring into my successful career. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, yes, girly. Proudly doing a bad job. A badge for let's hold our horses. The prospector literally says, let's hold our horses. When one of the guys is like, should we shoot everybody? And he's like, let's hold our horses. There'll be gold in them hills. I have a badge for (laughs) white guys in the 1940s speaking Spanish. It was hilarious. (laughs) Mostly at the beginning. It'd be like, hola, hombre, como estas? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bueno. That sounds bueno. (laughs) Badge for a dead husband instead of a dead wife. I thought that was, you know, because Cody from Texas becomes the dead husband. So at least the wife didn't die. We do. We love that. But she's definitely going to get banged. I have a badge for donkeys in the wind. I mean, what other movie's going to give you donkeys in the wind? You're 5,000 donkeys in the wind. 5,000. Donkey. <laughs> That's not right. That's so many. Ooh, I have a badge for it. One piece of dialogue did really make me laugh, which is Cody from Texas has followed the Dungeons and Dragons up to their little camp. Mm-hmm. And Humphrey is like, you sure he was trailing you? Cody says, absolutely. How come? Because there he is. <laughs> And Cody oh. from Texas. <laughs> I thought that, that tickled me so very much. That was funny. How do you know he's here? Because he's here. Because <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I have a badge for a character who can't read. Mm. Howard can't really read, and I was like, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of our dynamic, like when you are reading something, and I'm kind of like, well, why don't I just do it? <laughs> yeah. If my friends all made me read out loud the like letter we found, I would be so nervous. <laughs> I have a badge for morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because some of the things that they did to represent like, good people were like good. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. You know, like we said, like the environmental boy. And mm-hmm. then also that they're like, I want to give some money to that widow. I feel bad that we, you know, we're here and yeah. kind of wanted to kill her husband and whatever. Yeah. 
And then finally, I have a badge for a sideburned beauty. The pretty assistant lady, she's Uh like giving Howard drinks and stuff. She's like the pretty lady who accompanies the medicine man or something. Full sideburns. Oh. Mexican beauty. Love. Was just like, I loved it. That's great. (laughs) Tragis? Tragis. I have a trage for playing harmonica while people are trying to sleep. The two younger boys go to bed and then Howard the prospector whips out his harmonica and starts playing the liveliest and loudest tune. Wow. And And I would hate that so much if I was trying to (laughs) snooze. Hey, sorry, I just went to sleep. Why would you think that that's what you should do? Excuse me, we all just said goodnight. I'm not really sure what this is, but it needs to stop. I have a trage for cringe bogey. I just was, I was, I was embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) That's cringing. It's, it's tough when you're like, okay, so yeah, you definitely made that choice, but yeah. But why? I feel a little bad because like you're loud, but uh, that's how I felt. Yeah. Throw what you know, man. Trage for shooting a lizard. When did they shoot a lizard? They shoot a Gila monster when the guy is like, there's a Gila monster under there. And Humphrey Bogart's like, no, there's not. And the guy's like, well, stick your hand in and find out. I have a trudge for a dead donkey. Similarly to a lizard getting shot. They have just a dead donkey on the ground. Me as well. I have that trudge too. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) He's a medicine man. He can revive that donkey. He's just (laughs) got to lift up its legs. (laughs) Up and down. Up and down. (laughs) Yeehaw, (laughs) yeehaw. Trage for not bad when they see a photo of Cody from Texas's girl his wife i was like why must we the only way that this movie avoided so much sexism is because there were no women in it at all (laughs) and mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the ones mm -hmm. who were immediately sexualized oh actually i looked when i looked at the cast the two women were named um it was like pretty assistant Yeah. And um, flashy girl. Yeah. I was going to say, I would guess it's like <laughs> whore and <laughs> like bitch. <laughs> whore, bitch, and future mother. Future. I haven't tried for so many characters died. That's true. It was violent. It was like, My final tragedy is very related, which is I have a tragedy for a firing squad. Yeah. Ugh. I can't. Those make me so nauseous. I hate that. I hate that. And characters digging their own graves. Boo. They seemed, I will say, pretty chill about it. Yeah. They, they were, were pretty relaxed. And then one guy's like, hey, do you mind if I actually wear my hat before you shoot me? And they were like, yeah, no problem. Well, the wind is blowing us into our next segment. How to pretend you've seen this film. This is for... <laughs> you are near wherever Liana's family goes. <laughs> you are at one of these prospecting... I will not disclose. Rivers. <laughs> You are panning for gold uh, wherever Liana's family does it. They're probably there. Hi. Hey. <laughs> and, uh, but oh on the God, other end of that. Here. Do you need sunscreen? <laughs> stream or river or whatever. You are trying to peacefully pan for gold. Just see if there's any, you know, see if that you find anything in your, in your pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dobby comes up to you. <laughs> Dobby the house elf. Dobby comes up to you. He is not, uh, he is not a house elf, but he did choose that nickname for himself. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. he, <laughs> he gets real close to you while you're sloshed in your water around. And he says, wow, that's really great how you do that. I like watching that. Uh, you know why I come around here? I started doing so after I saw my favorite movie of all time. The treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, don't miss that. It's my whole identity now, and I really cannot wait to tell you all about it as we're peacefully panning for gold. And in right order to now. stop Dobby 
from prospecting, <laughs> from ruining your prospects. Oh. We're going to give you a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the film The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Mm. Dobby, the way that this film deals with morality and uh, what is lost when you go seeking too much, um, I just found really inspiring. Dobby, I'm going to request something from you, which is that you turn right around and you thank that mountain. You thank that mountain right now. You thank that mountain and then you walk into that mine and don't come <laughs> back. Dobby, 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 Dobby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gold. <laughs> All that glitters is not gold. Oh, <laughs> and in fact, this movie taught me that gold doesn't even glitter in the pan. So, full of gold facts. Yeah. Is that film. Dobby, Dobby. Okay, 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 okay. I found a nugget of gold. I'm going to give it to you. We're going to do a bit together. You're going to absolutely soar to the moon with happiness. Turn around. Hold the little nugget. And I walk up to you. <clears throat> Say, mister, will you stake a fellow American to a meal? <laughs> Dobby is free. <laughs> Master has quoted Dobby a film. <laughs> yes, Dobby, I know that movie, and I know that that is the movie where the whole stinking badges line is from. Oh, who knew? I knew. Oh, which is why I don't need you to tell me anything else. Yeah, <laughs> please go pan for a life. Hey, speaking of panning for something, <laughs> now it is time for should you watch this or in which we tell you, oh, my God, or mining. Oh, wow. <gasps> oh, my gosh. In which we tell you if you should watch this film or do something else with your time. Hmm. Sienna, what do you think? Gorsh. Um, no, I don't think you have to watch this film. Um, instead, what you can do if you like the Mexico of it all. You can watch the show Acapulco. Ooh. Ever heard of it? Have you ever heard of it? It's on, I think it's on like Apple TV or something. But anyway, it is so pretty. It is visually gorgeous. Oh. It is, it takes place in Mexico. It's about oh. like a hotel. Oh. And a uh, boy trying to work there. Just like boys are trying to work and get money in this movie. And there's lots of Spanish speaking, just like this one has. So there you go. There you go. Oof. <laughs> Someone didn't grow up prospecting. I, I would say. Do they make you do that voice? You do it? You just kind of fall into it, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. I think you don't need to watch this movie. You could instead, you could, you know what you should do instead is you should research donkeys and what they like. What are donkeys into? And let and us know us. because we yeah. are, we need, we need to, we are listening, we are learning about donkeys and we need to know more. We feel woefully uninformed and now more than ever, <laughs> we need the, the public, the society, we as a society need to, to speak about the hopes, dreams, desires, wants, needs of donkeys. Donkey, Absolutely. donkey. <laughs> Sienna, what would you rate the film The Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, okay, so let's break it down, people. As we said, this film is like, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, sure. Things I liked about it, it's kind of hokey. It's, um, I was thinking, 
if there was a gritty reboot of this film Ooh. today, like yeah. where they tried to make it mm-hmm. um, really accurate and cool and whatever, I would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think this is the best case version of this movie. And somebody, whoever wrote it, wrote this movie that I'm about to say, said that they referenced Treasure of the Sierra Madre a lot when writing it, and that movie was There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> so exactly. they've done it. It's happened, and it's terrible. <laughs> That's so funny. I could feel that. I could mm-hmm. feel that like it wanted to be more violent. It yeah. wanted to do more. But it, it had God. to be held back yeah. and just a, a little goofy because mm-hmm. it's... And um, so it wasn't like... Yeah, it wasn't there wasn't like horrendousness. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um and there were some fun things. There were some jigs and prospector talk. And uh one other thing I want to say. Oh, the Spanish speaking parts were cool. And as we said, it was kind of there were moments where we were like, oh, I actually understood what they were trying to tell me mm-hmm. somehow. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um uh <laughs> other than that, it was just weird and kind of like, why would you watch this? <laughs> um uh, I think I would give this movie. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a 1.3. Ooh. Uh, I think I've been rating things real low, and so that kind of fits. Um, I'm going to give it a 1.3 chaotic medical treatments <laughs> out of five. And, um, yeah, I've already said why. Yeah. Good job, Mexico, and good job, hokiness. <laughs> Liana, what about you? You know, I, because I be, I'm a believer in round numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I do just, believe that. If I get into decimals, I will get so stressed, sort of mm-hmm. existentially. I'm going to give this two, two soft punches out of five. And I would give it two because, you know, I just didn't really mind it while it was happening. Oh my in, a, in a way where I felt sort of accosted by other films on the list. I was a little bit more like, well, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I did appreciate the sort of respectfulness for nature, the reverence for culture that it did seem to have at certain times. I thought, I agree with you. I think that Spanish scene without subtitles was really effectively done. And I didn't mind the ending. I I, I kind of, sometimes, if you do it right, you can put me in the mood to be like, yeah, everything is terrible. And I'm okay with that. The laughing ending was really funny too. It was so Weird chaotic and funny. And there were so many donkeys. Oh, you won't believe it. I Man, scratched my scab. You... Oh no. The whole time. You just can't have it all. You just, you can't, just can't have, have it, it all. Or um uh you can't have it AU. Yep. On the yep. periodic table. Mm-hmm. Um uh why do I keep rating things so much lower than you? Fine, I give it a two also. No, there no. you go. Oh. <laughs> I truly think, I think if a fan were to make a graph of our ratings, it would be a direct correlation to our mental health at time of recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. I watched this in the sweatiest room. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, that was the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning into this little adventure pod and join us next week when we will be watching there's no way to remember these words Dr. Strangelove or (laughs) How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb Uh. (laughs) 
Booyah. Booyah. We are all Whoa. over social media at Tossed Popcorn. Give us a follow. Please rate us five stars if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed There Be Gold in Them Hills. <laughs> follow us if you love gold. <laughs> Comedy gold. Oh. Meme <sighs> gold every Saturday. Tune in for it. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. We love you. Bye. 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 More gold. Oh, them Goodbye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. <laughs> or do what I think is Donkey Disneyland? Like, what's um, the Disneyland for donkeys? Maybe like a, like a meadow. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.